You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome into it. This is the Rocky Top Rewind VolQuest, our YouTube page. I'm Eric Kane, and that guy right there is Brent Hubbs. Tennessee, a 52-49 winner over Alabama on the third Saturday in October. A lot to reflect on, a lot to discuss. Go ahead and like this YouTube page and uh, share it so we can get uh, so many other volunteer fans in here that want to chat with us as well. We'll take your questions throughout the night. We got some VFLs joining us, but Brent Hubbs, what a time to be a Tennessee Volunteer fan. What a time to cover this university. This is some fun football and big-time football. Tennessee's a player now. They proved that on the big stage yesterday. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, this is a football team that can beat anybody in the country, you think, and you believe uh, when you look at it. Um, it. It'll make for – everybody's pointing towards Georgia, right? They're all talking about Georgia. Tennessee's got some tests in front of them. That Kentucky game, Kentucky's no laydown. That's not a gimme. I know a lot of people are going to assume that. Uh, but Tennessee has shown and proven they can score with anybody in the country. Uh, they can play offense with anybody in the country. Defensively, there's some things they need to tighten up on, obviously, and some stuff that they want to work on and improve. But I'm going to tell you right now, they're not going to play a better duo, a duo of guys in the backfield than what they played on, on Saturday. And that's no offense to um, what, you know your, your running backs at Kentucky and Will Levis. But, but when you talk about what those guys have, uh, Jameer Gibbs and, and Bryce Young, that's two hard guys to handle right there. So Tennessee was certainly tasked in a, in a big-time way uh, defensively, but they found enough stops along the way to let yeah. the offense go get it done. And um, you just – Eric, you just got to love the approach of Josh Heupel. I mean, you, you just uh, – I, I don't know and, – and the game has obviously evolved and change, changed, but I, I – Tennessee's never had a coach that with 15 seconds left in the game in a tie ball game is going to go try to win the football game. Yeah. You know, their coach is going to take a knee and go to overtime there. And, and he was playing to win from the moment he steps on the field to the last, you know, tick. That's why he doesn't do victory formations very often, you know. Um, but just just the, the mindset that he has and that he's created with Tennessee's program and, and the players in the locker room, pretty incredible in a short period of time. Yeah, yeah, Stetson Bennett, Brock Bowers, they enter the chat and say hello, but I know what you're saying. I mean, and Jameer Gibbs and, and uh, Byron or Bryce Young. I did uh, say of- backfield, by the way. I, I did say backfield. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. I, I didn't say wide receiver or tight end. I said backfield, Eric. <laughs> Those two guys were phenomenal. And sometimes, yeah, you know, were. I mean, we're not going to bury the lead here. We're going to talk about the Tennessee offense and Jalen Hyde and Hendon Hooker. But, you know, that defense, they pounded Byron Young all game long. They were aggressive. Sometimes they overpursued. Sometimes Byron Young, I say sometimes, a lot of times. Bryce uh, Young. You know, Bryce Young just made plays because, again, he's a Heisman Trophy winner. Jameer Gibbs are a really, really good player. But, um, Brent, I was really impressed with, I mean, that secondary was depleted yesterday. I mean, you had a walk-on taking, snap, you know, with the game on the line there late on that last drive. And Alabama, good coaches, they recognized that. They went after him. He got beat a couple of times. But, um, you know, I believe his name was um, a William right made the tackles made the tackles and so there was a lot to you know that was a gutty a uh a real gritty performance i think from some members of the defense even though again it's alabama and those guys are fantastic but uh brent the story of the night obviously tennessee beats alabama jalen hyatt's five touchdowns 207 yards six receptions off eight targets one of those you could have been flagged for uh for defensive pass interference potentially what a game for him. One of the, if not the best stories of this Tennessee football program this year is Jalen Hyatt. No, there's no doubt. I mean, the work he put in and, and the work that he has put in since last January to, to get to this point, um, you're not going to see a stat line as you see there where a guy averaged 34 and a half yards of catch very often, right? No. Um, Alabama safeties couldn't run with him. Tennessee knew it. Uh, Alabama star position guys, the guys who played the nickelback position, couldn't run with him. Tennessee knew it. 
they wanted to attack there, and, and they did. And every time that they got that matchup the way they wanted it, they, they went vertical and Jalen Hyatt made them pay. Conversely, because of that, it changed the way Alabama played defense, particularly in the second half. They went to some dime stuff. So what did Tennessee do? They came back and ran the football. 100 mm-hmm. yards rushing in the second half, stayed committed and patient to the run game. Uh, and, and they had Alabama's defense on their heels because they couldn't take one thing away. If they took away the run and, and played man, Tennessee was going to throw it over their head all night long. Tennessee was going to score at, at will um, with the deep ball. And, and then if they went to take that away and they couldn't blitz Hendon Hooker um, and didn't have enough people in the box and Tennessee was going to run it effectively. When, you, when you're a defense and you've got that issue, you got some real problems. And Alabama tried different ways to play it. They couldn't figure it out. Tim Bank or Tennessee had some similar issues, and Tim Banks' idea is just go attack and blitz. And that's what they did last night. They blitzed enough, had enough effectiveness um, to, to get to force a couple of field goals, to get a couple more stops, uh, and to find an, enough to, to help Tennessee um, you know, get to the 52-49 win. I, I wrote this in my review piece when you talk about Tennessee's defense, and I know you're asking me about Jalen Hyatt, but that possession that Tennessee's defense played after the Hendon Hooker interception was co- is, is completely glossed over in this game, and rightfully yeah. so, because that's not the story. Tennessee breaks a 15-year streak. Jalen Hyatt sets, you know, school records and everything else. But for that defense in that moment, down one, to get a stop there and get the ball back to the offense at the start of the fourth quarter was absolutely monumentally huge. Um, and, and Tennessee made just enough plays there to get the ball. Cause if Alabama scores, they go up, you know, eight and you, you know what I'm saying? You, you got a little different pressure on you than, than what you had there. It was a, it was a big time stop for Tennessee's defense. No, it was. And it's funny. You were in the process of saying that. And I was pulling up your 10 things. I think I learned at ballquest.com and I had it at that point, because I was about to bring that up. And what, what a huge stop. And the thing about this team that just continues to impress me week in and week out, not just yesterday, when you know adversity hits, this team is resilient. This team is cool, calm, and collective. And again, it's modeled after their head coach and Josh Heupel. That was a position or that was a spot in that football game to where Alabama could have taken over. Uh, Tennessee has not thrown an interception this year, and, and it did. And you had a one-point lead, and Alabama could have went down there and scored, but – the defense made one of those stops that that were key. Didn't make a whole lot of stops in this football game against uh, that offense and and uh, you know Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs and all them. But that was a big one. It was a huge one. Uh, flipping back over to offense now, I mean Hendon Hooker, as good as Jalen Hyatt was, of course someone's got to throw in the football, and that being Hendon Hooker, 567 yards of total offense, 8.1 yards per carry. Tennessee threw for 385, ran for 182. 4.7 yards per carry on the ground. Alabama ran for 114 yards. Shout out to this offensive line. We've made mention of it last night. You and I both in our review pieces. This offensive line, with the level of physicality that it's played with the last two weeks, completely dominated this. I say dominated this football game, but I mean, they, they almost did. They allowed one sack, and that was a coverage sack, more or less. They affected one really bad throw, the interception when Will Anderson Jr., made his you know one and only play on the night when he picked up J.J. Crawford and put him in the lap of Hendon Hooker there. But Darnell Wright, Gerald Mincy, J.J. Crawford, neutralizing those edgers and the guys up front, what a phenomenal performance from Tennessee's offensive line. Yeah, they were terrific. And uh, it, it starts to me with the physicality they're playing with in the run game. And we talk about a lot of growth in year two of Josh Heupel's offense. And you talk about the quarterback's growth and you talk about the growth of Jalen Hyatt and, and the growth of Jalen Wright and Jabari Small and things. How about the growth of the offensive line? All right, 65 yards a year ago at Alabama on the ground. Um Last year combined, Florida and Alabama game, they had 213 total yards rushing. This year they got 409. Eric, we're a month removed from Alex Golish standing at the podium after the Pittsburgh game and saying, basically, we didn't think we could run the football. That's why we ran Hendon Hooker. And, yeah. and he he was patient in his play calling. He believed in the run game. They clearly challenged this group, and this group has responded in a big-time way because to do what they've done the last two weeks in the SEC – uh, with what most people like to call a finesse offense, is really impressive because they were physical. You rewatched that game, and I've rewatched it probably almost twice now going back and look at things. I watched part of it last night or this morning and watched it again this afternoon. There's there's nothing fluke in that. Tennessee was, Tennessee was moving people 
in the offensive line. They were moving Alabama's defensive line on the opening series of the game, and it carried on throughout the game. I really did. And we're going to be joined by a couple of former balls here coming up in segment number two in just a couple minutes away. So really looking forward to that. But I do want to ask you this one question here, Brent, real quick. Richard brings it up. You know, Vols should have Vols should be right number one. They have the hardest schedule to date, uh, but uh, it will be settled against Georgia anyway. GBO, the AP comes out. Tennessee moves up to number three. Alabama slips down to number six. The coaches poll comes out. Tennessee's up to number four. Uh, 17 months review or 17 months removed from what was going on here in January of 2021. I mean, it's it, it's kind of mind-boggling to think that this program has come so far. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. There's a lot of deficiencies with this program. We talk about it enough and everything, but for you to be where you are, six and zero, undefeated in SEC play, and for you to be beating teams of the caliber of Alabama, uh, it just says something to Josh Heupel in this regime. Well, there's a couple of things. One, it's it's the confidence and the belief that this coaching staff has instilled in the players. And that doesn't – you don't do that with rah-rah speeches. You don't do that with slogans on the wall and, and those types of things. You do that through transparency. And Josh Heupel and his staff have been transparent from day one, in my opinion, with the players. You know, when, when the players went in and said, hey, here are the issues that we've had the last few years. They, they, they took those to, to, to task. If they have issues now, this coaching staff will listen to it. Look, the coaching staff is in control. I don't mean that. But players have a voice because there's transparency. There's not a fear of, of, of voicing your opinion. Uh, this coaching staff wants to know who the players are beyond their face mask. And then you go get a quarterback. And yeah. the quarterback speeds up the process. It's, <laughs> that's just the way it is. Um, that, that's why you know quarterbacks in the portal are, are, are such a big deal. I don't know that a team's got a better quarterback out of the portal since the portal was created than what Tennessee's got in Hendon Hooker. That's why Tennessee's where they are, but it is amazing to be setting where they're at at this point in time. Yeah, fun times. Fun times for sure. Tennessee's undefeated in conference play and the overall record, number three in the latest AP poll, and coming off a 52-49 to walk-off winner, 40-yard field goal from Jace McGrath. The Tim Wakefield a la R.A. Dickey knuckleball is Austin Price kind of coined it last night. On the post-game mini-pod, a lot to reflect on. But, hey, we're going to take a short break when we come back. 60-second break. We're going to be joined by three former Vols. Get their thoughts on what this game means to them and the environment at Neyland Stadium last night. That is coming up next right here on the Rocky Top Rewind. Welcome back into the Rocky Top Rewind here at the VolQuest YouTube channel. Please like this video, share it, subscribe if you haven't already. And as always, VolQuest.com, $1 for one year. All right, Tennessee, a 52-49 win over Alabama. Brent Hubs got three former Vols who are joining us now, and I think they like what they saw. <laughs> well, I think this is a great perspective in a lot of different ways. So we're going to welcome to the program uh, former Tennessee quarterback Heath Schuler who's uh, also the father to Navy Schuler, who's on the current Tennessee football team, knows a little bit about the, the Alabama game. Kevin Mays, his son Cooper Mays is a starting center. Kevin played at the University of Tennessee as well. And, of course, Jay Graham joins us as well. Uh, Jay, we'll get to you in just a second with a couple of perspectives. But, uh, Kevin, I want to start with you. you. You played in this game. You were in some tough ball games in this game. It didn't go your way against Alabama. To be on that field last night with your son – what did that mean? Well, it was a blessing to be able to share it with – to see Cooper and how ecstatic he was to be able to come out of that game with a win and just to be there with Melinda and our family just to kind of share in it together. It was just – it was a wonderful experience because so many times the games just slipped out of our hands and Alabama's always found a way to win. And, you know, whether – sometimes it felt like in the past maybe we got a little too conservative, you know, when we could have got – you know, mash the gas pedal a little, but, um, you know, finally the brakes went our way and we come out victorious and it was just a wonderful scene. I mean, what an atmosphere. And I mean, <laughs> if, <laughs> I've never been to a sporting event that, uh, that was that kind of scene ever in my life. It was incredible. Heath, what, what, what is it from your perspective? I mean, you, Kevin was on the field with you and, uh, 
I, I don't want to talk about it too long. The 17-17 tie that was just gut-wrenching to, to be a part of. To, to, to sit there and watch that yesterday and, and to understand what it means differently than – no offense to the other fans in the stands, but as former players, you guys understand the game and the rivalry different. What were your emotions last night as that as that kick went through and the game was over? Well, obviously, with the players, you want to – it's all the emotions goes through because the hard work, the dedication, the time, and the commitment that they put into this season, the offseason, and look at the improvement that they have made from last year to this year. <clears throat> it's not been an easy road for them. You know, some of the older guys went through coaching change. Now that they have the right coaching staff in place, you can see the hard work is paying off. And they started, you know, they are playing as a team. It's, you know, there's some great players on this team, but they certainly play as a unit. And, you know, I, I know Jay would say this, uh, being a, a running back and, you know, the real, you only win games in the trenches. It's only one in the trenches. You can do all that you want to do in the passing game. You can do all you want to do in the running game. But whoever wins in the trenches wins the football game. And that offensive line proved that they could play against the very best in the country. And now they're sitting at the top of that pinnacle now because they're the best offensive line in the country. Yeah, it's kind of kind of hard to argue that right now. You've got Brent, what is it? Is it nine straight games of over of 30 points? Is that right? Yeah, nine straight games that this team has, has scored 30 points. And, again, they're, they're doing it, Eric, in a variety of ways. It's not just a deep ball like everybody wants to think, and we talked about it in the first segment. Alabama just couldn't take enough away from what Tennessee wanted to do. You want to drop back and play coverage? Fine. Alex Golish and Josh Heupel said, we're going to come right downhill on you. You want to jump up and try to blitz us? We're going to pick up the blitz and we're going to throw it over your head. I mean, Alabama just didn't have an answer last night defensively for what Tennessee was doing offensively, which, uh, Jay, I mean, there's no, there's got to be no greater feeling as a football, as an offensive player than to get to the line of scrimmage and go, well, we can do whatever we want to do here, depending on how you want to play us. We, we got an answer to everything. You're right. I mean, you look at the three wide receivers there and you look at the slot receiver you had with Jalen Hyatt, they had problems in there with him. Because the wide splits by the receivers got them out of their bracket kind of coverage they like to use. You know, and they like to have someone underneath and over top, and it was very difficult to do that. And when they tried to do that, we were efficient in the run game. And there was times I thought it was a really good job by Hendon where he just pulled the ball down and ran up in there for a good seven or eight yards. And he did it quick, you know. So making those good decisions, and it was great play calling on the runs. And uh, the backs did a good job of being efficient. They did a good job of falling forward, getting seven or eight yards. It's hard to stop that. And um, I was surprised, you know, the last touchdown by uh, Jalen Hyatt that they got out of the coverage because they had him double team underneath and over top. But it was the runs. It was all the runs by Jalen Wright was getting the, the runs right there. And by the time they got the 25-yard line, they tried to bring that guy back in, touchdown. So that was a great job by just, just offensive and being – coached the right way and Hendon to Jalen. I mean, it, it, it was great to see how well these guys have progressed. Even during this season, you know, I watched games and they've gotten better every single week. So um, impressive. It was an impressive game. Jay, I want to stay with you real quick. You and I spoke earlier this week uh, mm -hmm. on the uh, – actually, it was, it was yesterday on the on Saturday morning – uh, mm -hmm. BFL Players Lounge, and you and Spencer Riley, um, I mean, y'all were amped up. Y'all were ready to go. You yeah. could hear it. You could sense it. You could see it. Um, some of the things you discussed about what would Tennessee need to do in order to come out victorious, Tennessee did just that. When you're watching that football game and you're seeing Tennessee come down to the wire with Alabama and then see Tennessee win that football game, you know what's what's the ceiling for this football team, in your opinion? It, time would tell. The thing I see is every week they're getting better. You know what I mean, they got better in the offensive line. He talked about that 100%. You see the strain they had up, up front. They blocked guys two and three times and allowed Hendon to, to wait on that to throw those shot plays. Um, you know, but you see how they're progressing, and you see how the receivers are getting better. You, you still got, you know, Cedric Tillman's out, you know, and, and now you got uh, Romel Keaton stepping up and making plays, you know, and, and other guys making plays. And, um, you know, I was just impressed by even Brew McCoy. Brew McCoy didn't show up until that last little drive right there, but he was making, you know, he's been making plays all year. So 
you know, it's just hard to cover them. It's hard to stop the offense, and the defense is coming along. I thought it was a great job. You're going against – there's two top ten quarterbacks out there on that field, I thought. Watch them. I mean, them balls were on the move. They were right on guys as they were running. I mean, both of those guys could run. They could throw the ball. So, you knew it was going to be a high-scoring game. You know, but defensively, I thought, they, you know, they held them to three points a couple of times that, that made a difference in the game. And, um, you know, I think that they thought they mixed up things. And we're getting better on the defense. Our defensive line did a really good job of making them one-dimensional, you know, because they couldn't get explosive plays in the run game. Of course, Demir Gibbs did well, you know, but he, he couldn't um, – he wasn't getting eight yards of carry, right? I think he was about four and a half, five yards of carry, you know, and I thought they – took some plays away from him. So you see how this de- this team, offensive, def- defense, and special teams, they're playing together. They're feeding off each other and making plays at the right time. Kevin, let me ask you, and I don't want you to give away trade secrets because your, your son's the starting center on this offensive line, but but what have you seen from, from this offensive line that, that has put them where they've been the last two weeks? Because I mentioned it earlier. I think Pittsburgh's really good was is really good on defense. They they're committed to taking away the run. Tennessee didn't seem real confident in trying to run the football at Pittsburgh. But the last two weeks, they have road graded some people. What 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 do you think's got this offensive line in the rhythm that it's in right now, Kevin? When you watch them, not I, you know, I don't want you to talk about what you and Coop talk about late night. But when you watch it as a former offensive line, what are you seeing out of this group? Well, I think they've got confidence with continuity. I think by being able to play with each other, they're getting better and they're getting more confidence with each game that they play. And that's been the biggest factor. And trust me when I tell you this, that offensive line is very close. I mean, these guys have a tremendous amount of respect for each other. And they're constantly lifting us, uh, lifting each other up. Coach Hopple's bringing a culture of uplifting people. And, the, you know, he's got a different coaching style than what you're going to see from other coaches. He's not going to try to tear players down. He's constantly lifting up. And a great example of where you can see this is when things go wrong. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, they had the scoop and score. They've got this mentality of just let's reboot, let's reset. We can't control anything that's happened in the past. Be the best you can be, Cooper. Be the best you can be, Darnell. Uh, Spragans, be the best you can be, Jerome. Every time the ball snapped, and let's don't focus on anything that happened negatively in the past. And they're they're really doing a good job of embracing this culture, and it's breeding a lot of confidence in these kids. How do you convince Heath? You can jump in, or Jay. I mean, Kevin, any of you guys. How do you convince kids of that mentality, right? Because because we we all talk about it, right? Coach K talked about it twenty years ago. Next play, your coaches have talked to you about it. Next play. How do you get guys 18 to 22 to really be able to throw and put something behind you and, and, and go play the, the next play that way? How does that happen, Heath? Yeah, I think it really starts with you got to believe in your coach. So your coach can tell you all you want. You know, it can always be words. But once, once you have bought into their program and to their way of thinking, it certainly brings you to a point where – when things are going negatively, you're saying, you're right, coach, you've got my back. Now I have your back. And so when, when a negative play happens, I watched it on the sidelines. I mean, exactly what Kevin said, I was blown away both with the defensive coaches and the offensive coaches and even the players, no one lost their composure. You know, I was standing on the sidelines going, Oh my gosh, that scoop and score that, 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 that probably that killed us. This may be it. But then you turn around and you look at the team and the coaching staff. They got it. It's okay. We're good. You looked at him in, in the huddle, and he was like, we got this. It's okay. And I think it's just a believe and trust, like Kevin says. You know, it's a complete team unit that actually makes this so successful. And also, too, it's a, it's a lot of, if I can interject just a couple sure. of things here, it's a lot of consistency. You know, this is not just being preached, and it's not part-time. Uh, this coaching staff is very consistent in it, and they are making good young men out of these kids. They're Might have lost Kevin. We'll see if we can get Kevin back here in just a moment. But, uh, Heath, I do want to go back to you real quick. Um, right. It kind of leads me in something that you were saying. Jalen Hyatt said post game. a lot of it has to do with, hey, we love our coaches. We will play for our coaches. We believe in our coaches. Um, that type of mentality spills out over the field. And then when you're in some type of uh, just dynamic, it's almost like Hendon Hooker 
and Jalen Hyatt were in their own little world last night. What's that like, quarterback to receiver? I know it's eleven. it takes 11 to make it go, but what's that like? Because what we saw last night, obviously records were broken. Well, I think you look at it. Let's rewind what? Week one, week two, Jalen Hyatt kind of felt like he was down. Things weren't going well. And what does he do? I mean, the first thing that happens is, is <laughs> the receiver coach puts his arm around him, tells him he loves him, and said, hey, let's go make this thing happen. Let's turn this thing around. And I think he got him in the, the, you know, in the right mindset to be able to go out and play uh, just exactly the way he did uh, Saturday. And he's been playing every week. I mean, it just, it's amazing. And, and when's the last time you heard a player at, on, at Tennessee say they love their coaching staff? Yeah. It's been a long time probably since Philip Fulmer was there, that you had heard players tell how much they love their coaching staff. I got to see David Cutcliffe on Friday. First thing I told him, I said, Coach, I love you. I mean, that's the kind of feeling that you have with your coaching staff. This same coaching staff has exactly what that coaching staff did, and that's confidence and love from their players. Kevin, I want to go back to you for you to finish your thought. I think we just had a little internet glitch there. I, I want you to finish your thought on, on what you were talking about with the consistency. Uh, and it's not just words with these guys. I think it's where you're at. Pick it up from there. Yeah, it's just not words. I mean, he's changing. He's basically taking every kid that's on the team, and they're, they're taking a style of life. They're taking a new lifestyle. And each kid is accountable daily, you know, and he's having kids be accountable from, you know, like, at other programs, kids are sleeping in, missing class. I mean, I'm even speaking for myself when I played, you know. <laughs> you never miss class, Kevin. You never miss class. <laughs> well, Kevin never miss class because he was so smart he didn't have to worry if he missed class. He knew as much as anyone did. <laughs> Anybody that scores as high as he did on the ACT, it didn't matter. He was never missed class, right, Kevin? You had it under you had it under complete control, buddy. I had my grades under control, but I, I did miss class, maybe once. <laughs> no, you didn't. No, you don't admit it. <laughs> but but what I was trying to say is that. They've got their schedules. They take a whole different approach. So he's making these men just like it's a job. They're at work at – I'm not for sure what time, but I know Cooper, he, he speaks with, with his mother, and we hear from him every morning by 6 o'clock in the morning. Oh, absolutely. They're at the facility at 6 a.m. 21 years old at 6 o'clock in the morning. You know, you weren't going to get me. You know, so he's, he's – and it's – when you show up over there, you don't show up dressed any way you want to dress. You mm. Yeah. You you got your apparel. You got to go and and do what you do what you're supposed to do every day. It is a job that way, but it, they're making it a fun job. It's not it's not it's a grind, but it's an enjoyable grind. Of course, it helps when you win. Jay, I want I want to ask you offensively, wh what is it like when when you play for a coach? And I don't maybe you've never had this experience when when a coach is is a rip it mentality, he, super aggressive. The bigger the game, the happier the head coach, right? Yeah. He, he he doesn't enjoy a game he's a heavy favorite in. He wants to be in those type of deals. He doesn't flinch in the biggest moments. What's mm -hmm. that like for a player? How much is that bred into this growth of this program in such a short period of time? I think it's key. You know, um, when you go into a game, players are going to look at you and you look at your coach. And if he's not scared and he's got a good look on his face, a lot of times you feed off of that. And, it, and I think it happens on the practice field. There's no difference, right? The effort you put in, the way you play, practice, and, and you can see it out on the field. It's ha they, they're practicing the right way. You don't just hit it like a switch in it, in it, and go to game day and do this. I mean, the timing of the routes, everything. You can tell that they're, they're practicing the way you should practice. And, and – the difference is I was there with the last staff. So I'm looking at these kids and they got different look, a different look on their face. You know, I've seen some kids. Um, I was at the downtown Knoxville quarterback court club, you know, and I saw flowers in McCullough and to sit there and talk to them for a while. I mean, you can see what these coaches are doing with these kids off the field. So I think the, the relationship, the connection, the things that they're doing off the field, right on the practice field, um, you know, eating, spending time together, you know, watching tape, teaching these young men how to play the game, I think it's the key. And that's where the connection is made, you know, and, and, and they're starting Heath, to trust those what were things your and keep coaching points. Oh. Sorry. 
No, I'm sorry, Jay. I didn't mean to interrupt yep. there. He's. What were you thinking with 15 seconds to go? I think we all knew they were going to try, right? Did, did you think? Did I mean that's oh, not a lot doubt. of coaches at 15 seconds will say, "Let's go for it." I yeah, mean, we all knew he was going to. He was going to rip it, right? Oh, there's no doubt. And rewind a little bit. I think that. Uh, I think Coach Saban absolutely blew it. Why he did not run the football. I could see maybe on the first down not run the football, but second and third down, yep. what on earth was he thinking? You know, you got you run the football, get it down to a couple of seconds, and you're going to get closer. But he kept he gave us time, and then he kicks a field goal, he misses it. We got 15 seconds left. It's one completion, and you know, with hand, with the way Hendon had been playing, we weren't looking for the touchdown. All we need to do is get within field goal range, and it opened up. McCoy makes an incredible physical catch, physical catch across the middle, and we get a chance to kick a field goal for the win. I mean, incredible the way the, the offense worked together. And the awesome thing about it is, go back, rewind, watch that offensive line once again. They did their job up front. They did their job to give. That play takes time to develop to hit a deep crossing route because we had to have 15 yards. Another yard short, yeah, then, we hit the we hit the upright instead of making it through the field goal. Yeah, well, when he when he double when he double clutched when McGrath double clutched, I was like, because yes. he, yeah. went a, he went a little <laughs> early there. <laughs> but Kevin, Kevin, how good was Darnell Wright and those tackles last night? When you look at what Will Anderson was at, you, you play you, you played all over the place when you played at Tennessee. What was what, what was your impressions watching those guys play on the edge last night? Well, Darnell's been incredible. Uh, he's been incredible all season long, and uh, um, Darnell's play. We're just seeing the tip of the iceberg with him. Darnell's gaining confidence. Darnell just needed to be loved up. This system's perfect for him. He's growing with confidence daily. And you're talking about a for a big guy. This guy is a once in a lifetime type athlete. You you will. Did, did anybody notice him run down that wide receiver uh, yes. on the penalty mm-hmm. um, at yeah. the end of the game? You know, we got the ball back, fortunately, but. He, he made the tackle and, and made an open field stop on his feet of the of the defensive back who was running for a touchdown. And what about the uh, what about the, the kid Crawford who's filling in? I mean, just doing a tremendous job. My favorite play of the night, he freaking pukes. Yeah, projectile puke. You can rally, baby. You can rally, Kevin. Let's go, let's go. I love it. It is. Kevin likes that because that was Kevin Mays. He may not have been puking, but I can promise you, it was all you could do to keep Kevin Mays. You know, in the game because I was was so afraid he was going to say something or do something. But he was the intimidator before the word ever came out. Kevin Mays was the intimidator. And that's uh, exactly what Crawford was doing. You see that my, in Cade Mays, too, when he was here at Tennessee. Oh, for exactly. Sure. Yeah. 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 Now, Kev, my fear with Kevin was he was always going to punch somebody on an extra point or field goal. Because yeah, exactly. that just – I mean, because you're just hanging on for dear life on the day. I'm like, he's going to punch somebody here. He's going to get kicked out of the game, right, Kevin? <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> hey, you I'm, might, I'm you might have punched somebody in the pocket. Right? And has a real clear mind and stays within the confinements of the game. And <laughs> Cade and Kevin were just crazy on the field. <laughs> Somebody's got to bring everybody up. <laughs> there you go. Hey, I, I got one here for Jay. Jay, you, you coach pretty much every position on the offensive side of the football. These tight ends are something that Brent and I have spoken on a lot uh, throughout mm-hmm. the season, the way they utilize these guys. Two veteran guys are not going to be, you know, dynamic pass catchers in the SEC, but they can do it, and they have done it. And they both have stepped up in a number of ways without Cedric Tillman, both in the receiving game, uh, blocking, lining up his H-backs in the backfield at some point in time. What do you like about Princeton fan who I think is playing really good football lately, really since the since the fumble against Florida, and he had a couple of drops even before that. I think Princeton fans playing some good football. He is. And you watch him because um, it's not easy to run an option route. And I'm watching a tight end with that kind of size. I mean, he's running an option route like a tailback, and he gets across the guy's face to catch the ball. Um, then he lines up, you know, in the wing. He's getting a block there. He can line up out wide and, and catch the ball. I mean, he's so interchangeable. He's a true H-back. You can put him anywhere. Then he put him at fullback, and now yeah. you got your 245-pound uh, running back that can go get some short yardage. And that was and not an easy move. run. Because they got, they got in that uh, bare diamond stick, and I knew we were – I was like, we in trouble. And he got <laughs> hit a couple of times and still got in and fought for that, you know. And it's just 
great to see those tight ends play the way they're playing. They're playing physical. They're playing hard. Um, you know, tight ends have to be so smart because they line up everywhere. And, um, you know, you got to have an amazing skill set. And those guys are showing it. And you don't hear about them, you know, scoring all the touchdowns. But Fan had a two-point conversion, you know, ran, ran the ball in it. Ran in for a touchdown. And, um, you know, he just did well all night, you know. And when you can put them all over the place, it just it's, it's hard on the defense. Well, Heath, we talked about this. We were talking about this earlier, and you mentioned it as well. I mean, Tennessee, Alabama couldn't take away one thing, right? Saban, Belichick, they want to take away something. They want to take away your best thing, and you beat them with the other. You know, they're going to take away the run, or they're going to take away the pass. Alabama couldn't do that. When you look at this offense and the way it's growing, it's not just all about wide splits now. I mean, I think this condensed formation where they're bringing – they bring all these guys in tight at the line of scrimmage. You got the Jalen Hyatt touchdown on it this week. You had a couple short yard conversions out of it on uh, at LSU. That's a wrinkle that, to me, causes defenses a lot of problems because it's so vastly different from what they do when they spread everybody sideline to sideline. Well, look at it. We've had a different wrinkle every single week. I mean, there's something new in that offense. I remember, you know, what uh, – I guess it was the Florida game. We got in stacks twin stacks on the outside. We had never done that, you know, and next thing you know, now we're doing this movement stuff, which has been unbelievable. You know, when they say we don't motion, next thing you know, we go in a quick offense and all of a sudden you, you test them with your motion and automatically tells you what they're doing defensively. You know, are they rotating the safeties or they're kicking a linebacker out? You got them then, you know, their coverage. It's not, it's no, there's no secret at that point in time. I mean, right, Jay, once you see yes. what happens, the safety and a linebacker, they mm -hmm. will tell you what's going to happen. And the moment exactly. that does, you're finding your one-on-one -on -one matchups. And I'm going to take I'm going to take Hyatt against their safety all night long. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, I love the whole movement stuff. And it, it's it's something different every week. And it's and I think it's the way that um that they identify the coverage ahead of time. It's it's literally like cheating. Uh that you know ahead of time what what the what the coverage is going to be. Yeah, and Brian Kelly said that going into last week's game against LSU, and I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, well, Tennessee definitely motions. Tennessee scored a touchdown off motion, or the Brew McCoy long 70-yard reception against Florida was off motion. Tennessee scored off motion, same play against LSU. Tennessee scored off motion a couple times against two Alabama. Conversions, two different weeks in a row. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it is what it is. Um, you know, Kevin, I want to go to you. I know we're all talking offense here, but I, I think uh, you guys mentioned this earlier. This defense, I mean, you know, you, you give up 49 points to, to to Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs and Alabama's offense. I mean, okay, it is what it is, right? I liked what I saw from some of those young defensive backs. They were far from perfect. I liked what I saw from Jeremy Banks, and I continue to like what I see from Rodney Garner's unit up front. He plays a lot of guys, but they are playing hard and tough and getting better. Yeah, Ke For Kevin, why don't you start just – yeah, Kevin, why don't you start where this defense is? What you like of what you see out of grow, the growth of this defense? I think the biggest thing was uh I'll answer for him. I think you got yeah. there I'm is. Back. You would Go think ahead. you'd think in two thousand and twenty two you, you could have a conversation on with the internet, but you know, down here in Rome <laughs> County it's raining a little bit. We had to put the chickens and the cows up and you know, I, I don't have enough money to pay the guy to go stand there with his umbrella over the power pole down there so we can keep it all together. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, no, but what you were saying, Rodney Garner, I mean, man, well, I mean, love that guy. His kids give him everything they got. Uh, Jeremy Banks, my goodness, playing like a man possessed. And I'll keep going with it. All right, Jay, you got to keep going, Jay. It's all you, man. <laughs> but Banks, you know, when Banks is moving around, Rushing off the edge, you know, he's dangerous. You know, I, just like the first rush when he hit the quarterback in, in, in the end zone, right? Um, he bull rushed that tackle. Yeah. Right? That edge bull rush. He's so powerful. And a lot of plays, he ran guys down. That Those plays would have went for 30, 40 yards if he wouldn't have ran them down. His effort, and he's the heart of that defense. And I just look at the tackling is better, right? You look at last year, you know, they couldn't get Bryce Young down it down an open field. You know, this this year they they corralled them, you know, they played their leverage. Sure, they weren't perfect, you know. Jameer Gibbs made made a couple guys miss in the backfield, but the constant effort and pursuit, defense is about pursuit. 
If you don't make the play, your your teammates should make the tackle right there if you're playing with great leverage. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're doing. And they're mixing up rushes, blitzes, you know. So the defensive coordinator, Banks, he's doing a great job as far as mixing up things. And um, the young DBs are getting better. You know, it's hard to be a young DB in SEC. Yeah, you're going to go against the best. And you got a first-round quarterback throwing the ball, you know. But these guys are scrappy. They fall. You know, they made plays. And, and you know, those throws, it's, they're in great position. They make the catch. That's fine. But they were making contested catches every time. What about at the end of the game? Great, Kevin. What about at the end of the game? We've got uh, two corners, I think, go down to two DBs go down at one time. And we have a kid who is uh, a walk-on from, uh, from I think, Nashville Innsworth. Mm-hmm. comes in and breaks up the play to end their drive on fourth down. Been standing over there for three hours no. and gets called on and steps up and makes a play. I mean, it's just incredible. Unbelievable. Hey, and I'll quickly add to that real quick. In spring, Tennessee had no defensive backs, either offseason surgeries, a little bit banged up, precautionary. You know, William Rob was a guy that was in there with the starting defense the entire spring and made the most of it. You never know. Absolutely never know when your number might be called. His number was called a crunch time in the fourth quarter against the number three team in the country. Uh, awesome stuff, guys. Can't thank you enough for joining us here on the Rocky Top Rewind. Our, our comment section's filled up. Everybody's loving you guys. Appreciate you, and uh, please come back anytime. The, the floor is always y'all's. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Brent. And Thanks, enjoy, Thank the, enjoy the ride, guys. As dads, yeah. enjoy the ride. It don't get any better than it is right now for you guys. Have fun with yeah, it, all right? right? Thanks, guys. Go ball. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Really good stuff there from Heath Schuler, Kevin Mays, and Jay Graham right here on the Rocky Top Rewind. We're going to come back. We're going to talk more about the Tennessee-Alabama game, a little recruiting. We'll take a look around the college football landscape. A lot to discuss. The Rocky Top Rewind right here at VolQuest YouTube. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back into the Rocky Top Rewind here at VolQuest on YouTube. Hey, $1 for one year. What better time than right now? If you haven't already, if you're not a subscriber, join us on the On3 platform, our new family. $1 for one year. That's at VolQuest.com. And, of course, like, subscribe, follow, and share all this stuff on YouTube as well. Really enjoying the Rocky Top Rewind. Great stuff there, Brent, from a couple of VFLs. He's Schuler, Kevin Mays, Jay Graham. Anything from what they just kind of pointed out about the game against Alabama or just anything that kind of stood out to you? Well, I think for me, Eric, the, the biggest thing that stands out to me is just, for, first of all, the dad perspective with, with yeah. Kevin and Heath, how comfortable they are with their children being in this program, with, with what Josh Heupel has, is doing for their for their kid. Okay, they're, they're not kids, they're adults now. But but the, re- the relationships, the enjoyment they're having, not just winning, but what being a part of this program is about. That's the first thing. The, the other thing, too, is Jay's got a unique perspective for two reasons. One, he spent some time at Alabama, so he knows some of those de- that defensive personnel and kind of some of the things they were doing. He knows some of these players at Tennessee because he recruited them. It was interesting to kind of hear his perspective on – where Tennessee was taking advantage. And I thought Heath's explanation on the motion stuff was just really, really, really good to understand part of how they're getting guys open. I, I thought they had great insight. We appreciate them spending some time with us and, and joining us because 
Uh, they did exactly what I thought they would do. They were, they're proud VFLs today who can tell you a lot about football. When you talk to those guys and you sit around, you can learn quite a bit. Yeah, no doubt. They were awesome. And, and kind of on that note about terms of the motion and open things up, a guy that has stepped up and he's been open a couple of times. Some of it can be by scheme, but obviously he's just playing some good football. It's been, you know, Ramel Keaton. Scammer payback is one to ask uh, you, Brent Hobbs. How big has Ramel Keaton been for this University of Tennessee team? Uh, he's really been magnificent. And then something I was going to ask you, or I did ask you last night on the mini pod, uh, Cedric Tillman will be back sooner rather than, or sooner rather than later. Um, but, you know, Ramel Keaton's earned the right to be playing some football. He's been fantastic. Yeah, he has, and I think that you will you will get more of the rotation with him. We're going to bring Austin Price in here as well in this final segment. But I think, you know, even though Alex, Alex Golish likes, uh, you know, has shown he's comfortable with a small rotation, um, I, I think it's a situation where Ramel Keaton's earned himself the right to be a part of that rotation. Um, he, he's caught the ball in tough situations and critical situations. The thing that I, that has impressed me about Ramel Keaton um, – Eric, is his ability to do things with the ball after the catch. That's the part I wasn't aware. I thought he had the speed to get behind somebody, could be a deep ball guy. Uh, but I, I did not I did not see his ability to, to make guys miss and get yards after the catch. He made a great move last night um, yeah. on, on a crossing deal and cut back outside. Austin, I'm not sure anybody in Tennessee's program thought Ramel Keaton would give them what he has given them since Cedric Tillman got hurt. There's a veteran guy who stuck it out, has waited on his opportunities, taking full advantage of it. Yeah, he really has. And I mean, you know, there were a, a couple of different options that Tennessee could go with when Cedric went down and, and Ramel just grabbed it and said, nope, it's mine. And, and he's not relinquished it. And uh, just been real impressive to kind of, you know, see him, you know, step up. And, you know, that's why you, you, you know, Eric pointed out in the, the, the last segment with the, with the, with the trio of players, you know, William Wright spring and him stepping up and being cold off the bench. And the, every week this team sim symbolizes the old next man up mentality. And a lot of that's coach speak, but in, in this reality, it is just reality. Um, you know, I mean, they just keep having guys step up and make plays, whether it's Danico Slaughter or safety, you know, coming down, you know, downhill and making some, some nice plays and, you know, with some tackles or, you know, people stepping up, coming off the bench. It's, you know, just been impressive to see this group just continue to kind of play together, and they've kind of got that common goal and bond that they're working towards. Austin, anything else big? I mean, obviously, there, there's a whole lot to unravel, and we'll continue to unravel it, but – and Brent and I have gone over a lot here on the Rocky Top Rewind tonight, but anything else big that stuck out to you last night from Tennessee or from Alabama or something about that football game, maybe it's big picture stuff, anything from that game last night that really just kind of hung with you a little bit? Well, just that the Tennessee continues to prove that they belong. You know, we, we said that coming out of LSU, it's time to start treating them like a the top 10 team that they are. And uh, they just continue to show um, that, that they belong. You look offensively, you know, I mean, everybody's talked about the stat, you know, most points Alabama give up since Sewanee in 1907. Sewanee. You know, Hubs was a wee lad going to that game. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, you know, it's just impressive to kind of see that them continue to, you know, figure things out. And, you know, you you see, you know, the former balls, the end, you know, you've seen all the videos today of Al Wilson coming to tears and Leonard Little. And I was down there on the sideline with Fred Weary and Reggie Coleman and Heath was down there and Jonathan Hefney and, you know, just a, a plethora of former players. And, you know, they are just so kind of soaking up this ride they're riding the wave we're all on that wave i said that on the board like you know whether you're covering the team you're watching the team whatever you're just kind of all riding that wave and uh you know that wave's a pretty big one at this point yeah i was ch i was churning butter I, I churned the butter before i went to that tailgate against swanee <laughs> in, in 1907 so um i, I appreciate that I mean, but seven <laughs> Not much difference in what you actually do now. Uh, you're, out there, you're out there plowing fields. Then you're plowing fields now. I mean, taste. It's like it's like hey, a, it, it Back to the Future, where it, you know Emmett's like in like the, the like the Back to the Future three. That that's what I envision, like a a different version of you know McFly and a different version of Hubs. Like you maybe had like a handlebar mustache, you know. 
<laughs> anyway, I was going to say something about the game last night, but um, before we get into recruiting, but we'll forget about that. Let's get into recruiting. Let's talk about what what Tennessee had in town. Austin, I know you visited with with some of the some of those guys. How big is this atmosphere, this moment in recruiting? Logan wants to know that. I think you said it earlier this today. We were talking the atmosphere. Nobody goes to a place generally because of one game, but last night leaves a big time impression on a lot of people, not just the win, but the atmosphere, right? Yeah. It's not, it's not the result. Tennessee could have lost and and they were going to be a winner last night with the atmosphere. Um, you know, it's the atmosphere that kind of kids get swept up in and the vibe and the feel and the family atmosphere. Nobody says, man, I picked this school because 52 is 49 or 10 to 7 or 21-20. Everybody's like, you know, most people look at it and go, you know, I wasn't there for that game. So if they won, you know, woo-woo. If they lost, I wasn't there. If I'd been there, I would, you know, you know, it'd be different. So, like, nobody gets caught up in the wins and losses. They get caught up in the atmosphere. And the atmosphere from the ball walk right through the storming of the field was, you know, as good as it gets. And so, you know, just more and more, uh, you know, impressed with just how everyone has bought in, how everybody continues to play or do their job inside the program, how the fans have just kind of wrapped their arms around this team and they're not going to let go. Not for a long time, man. They're riding this thing. It's been so long. How many times have we said in recent years, you know, this school had 10 wins or that school had 10 wins and here Tennessee had been since 2007, since they've had 10 wins and they're not to 10 yet. Right. I mean, I get it. Everybody expects them to get there. But, like, my point being is, like, it's just been so long since Tennessee was that school having that magical season. And yet, here they are. You know, a guy who was not here yesterday but was here for a great environment a couple weeks ago for Florida, that being 2024 athlete receiver MJ Bennett commits to the University of Tennessee earlier this afternoon. A lot to like from this player, but Tennessee continuing to add to its 2024 class. That's now three commits. What else uh, can you tell us about MJ Bennett of South Carolina? Yeah, you know, MJ Mazia, whatever you want to call him. I just call, I call him, him MJ really because really his good. first name is hard to say. Yeah, really good football player is what you call him. Um, yeah. And, you know, again, wide receiver, excited about the direction of the program, loves Kelsey Pope, loves hype. Um, you know, a kid from South Carolina, likes Jalen Hyde a good amount, another kid from South Carolina. And, uh, you know, we had Jalen Hyde out in the locker room, and he he was very complimentary talking about Mazio. I mean, he was very, very complimentary of his game. Said, you know, he's from South Carolina, so, you know, he's got that dog in him. You know, I mean, <laughs> he full, believes in his Palmetto process, in the Palmetto kids. Um, you know, but a, a kid that, that can run, uh, is a good route runner, um, and, and just a playmaker at the high school level and someone Tennessee took a liking to a while back and they've really uh, amped up their efforts and they're able to land him. And Tennessee had a couple other big name guys in as well that were important in this in this current class. Uh, the one official visitor with Emba and then David Hobbs, David Hobbs. I messed up his name. Hobbs is back in town. AP. What what do you make of Hobbs coming back? How important was that? Because that is Tennessee, Alabama. And then what about the five star edge rusher from IMG Academy? Apparently, apparently, when when it rains in in Kingston and it rains in Corrington, they have the same type of internet problems. Um, <laughs> You know, <laughs> um, Hobbs is a guy that I think Tennessee continues to trend with. I'm not going to say they're landing David Hobbs, but they're moving that direction. Like it's it's they just continue to get more and more traction. He's going to do something on his mom's birthday, which is November 25th, I believe, um, which is the day after Thanksgiving. I, I do believe that's on a Friday. Um, I'd have to look to double check, but I think that's right. Um, either way, like you know, just continue to. Uh, you know, moving the right direction with the big defensive lineman, the interior defensive lineman from the state of North Carolina, five start on three. And then, you know, Impemba, you know, Brent, I mean, Georgia's kind of been long thought to be the favorite there. I'd have a tough time believing they'll still not be the team to beat there. Um, but I mean, he had a good time. His family had a good time. Uh, Tamario Parker, I think his family had an excellent time. But again, look at the kind of read the tea leaves. He's going to take the you know he's going to commit i think november 23rd which is like right after 
Uh, he goes to Clemson for their game. Uh, you know, Clemson seems to have the momentum, but again, who knows how that changes? Does he get back to Knoxville sometime between now and next month? You know, and, and what and what's he saying coming out of this visit? Also, a couple of running backs for this class right here, 2023. Uh, they were on campus yesterday. A couple of committed running backs elsewhere. Khalifa Keith of uh, a, a Kentucky commitment. And Cowell then did not make it in. He, 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 he did he not, make, did it not in. make it in. Yeah, correct. But Khalifa Keith did. And uh, yeah. since he's yet to offer uh, the Kentucky commit, but I think that's coming again. I think that would probably happen by this time next week. I think by the time we're sitting here doing Rocky Top Rewind after UT Martin, uh, Tennessee's probably offered Khalifa Keith. And I think Tennessee's got a shot there to flip him. And, uh, you know, I think Tennessee would love to, you know, add him to this class, um, you know, if, if they pull the trigger and an and offer. But you're right. Do they, do they get Dante Dowdell to campus sometime here soon? He was supposed to come in, you know, yesterday, did not make it in. Um, and and kind of where, where does that go from here? Because I have a tough time seeing him stick with Oregon. Yeah. Yeah, it's a long way away. And plus, that's such an important position for Tennessee because you've, you've kind of recycled a lot of names here over the course of a recruiting cycle. And then you're you're down to the last few months and you're starting to see some of these names who are, who are new, trying to get in the mix, trying to get them on campus, then maybe get it back for an OV. Obviously, the transfer portal is going to be an option there. But no matter what, I mean, Tennessee, Tennessee's got a lot of work to do at, at that position in particular as you try to close out this this class, correct? Yeah, they do. I mean, you'd love to, you know, especially for the 24 class um, and, and then finish out the 23 class, you'd love to add running backs. Um, you'd also love to add tight ends. You know, I mean, Tennessee's got Ethan Davis committed, but, you know, what do they really have at, at tight end? Charlie Browder would be back. You lose Princeton Fant, Jacob Warren. I, a year ago, you know, it felt like he would definitely be back for the two years he had left. But, I mean, you never know. I mean, he could decide to move on. I mean, I don't think you can count that as a, a given at this point. And so, you know, I think you need to add, you know, a couple of different spots. But interior defensive lines, number one on the, the board for me on what Tennessee needs to add to this class. Uh, another running back or two, depending on, you know, what they do with Will Stallings, um, you know, would be kind of position two for me. And then offensive tackle. Matthew flashed up on the screen. I didn't go to it. I apologize, Matthew. But Wayne wants to know about Carnell Tate. Of course, he he did not make it in. But was rumored to get back here. Still nothing there unless he gets back onto campus, correct? That's correct. You know, in, until he makes it back in, it's hard for me to see Tennessee as – a deep player for him. He still talks to Tennessee a lot. He loves Kelsey Pope. Mom loves everything about Tennessee, but uh, he's got to make it back to campus, in my opinion. And as far as the, uh, again, it's you're never going to pick a school because of a, a specific game or whatever. But one thing I like about this class, this staff, and you know, it took them a little while because they came in behind the eight ball for the class of 2022, but. They've been working those 24s now for two cycles. They're working, they're getting in with the the 25s now. And a lot of these younger, especially in-state prospects, the Boo Carters, the Caleb Beasleys, uh, all these other ones from around the states have been here multiple times this season. Uh, it's the environment and the way things shake out. I mean, it can't get any better in terms of a game day environment like what you saw yesterday. And of course, those who were here with Florida, you got that in back-to-back home games. That's right. You know, and and so Tennessee continues to build momentum with those 24s. Marcus Gorey, Caleb Beasley, as you pointed out, Boo Carter, Amari Jefferson, 25 class with Cam Sparks or Martellus Carter. Um, Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, Tennessee continues to build momentum with those young kids. And Tennessee, the more it wins, the more it becomes the cool school. And, And that makes things a lot easier for everybody. So, obviously, tons and tons of recruiting to continue on throughout the weekend. There was a lot of kids on campus in 2023s, 2024s, and 25s as well. Uh, coming off a ma- massive Tennessee win over Alabama, 52-49, to 49, the final score, snapping a 15-game losing streak in the third Saturday in October series. First win over Alabama since 2006. Tennessee now number three in the Associated Press's poll, number four in the coaches' poll. And we've got tons to talk about, reflect on. We've got some review pieces. We'll have a podcast throughout the week. We'll have the Monday Night Chat. All that you can be a part of for $1. $1 for one year at VolQuest.com. $1 for one year. And, of course, 
Go ahead and like and subscribe to this YouTube channel if you haven't already. Share it so more Tennessee fans can check it out. And be back here this time next week, 8 o'clock, 8 to 9 o'clock. We will rewind and look back on the Tennessee football game at UT Martin. Uh, much needed UT Martin week for this University of Tennessee before you gear up for more SEC football games. For Austin Price and Brent Hubbs, I'm Eric Kane. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Rocky Top Rewind as we look back at the Alabama win and look forward to the rest of the season. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.